This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hi, my name is Grace and you are listening to My Millennial Money. Today I will be interviewing my brother Jeffrey. Say hello. Hi, my name is Jeffrey and you'll be listening to My Millennial Money too. Um, and we have our co-producer James and our director Glenn. Um, let's get right into it. Okay, Jeffrey, your first question is, if you had $1,000 to spend, what would you spend it on? Well, bigger teddy bear. So the world's biggest teddy bear. And why would you do that? So I can sleep on and fall my in my bed. Awesome. And I buy Teddy Land. <laughs> Ooh, hello, Gold Coast, and hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James. I'm coming to you live from the Gold Coast. We've got a great group of people here tonight. They've been drank. They've been fed. They've got a My Millennial cocktail that's um, going down a treat. I've seen trays go around with... Almost $100 of cocktails on it. I've heard glasses break. Uh, But thank you, everyone, for coming out tonight. And we're going to have a lot of fun. All right, Griffin, thanks for coming. Can you, and I might get Georgia to come up as well. Can you read your question? How can I make my money work the hardest for me to reap the most benefits? Fraser, is your experience as a, you used to be a financial advisor, you're now retired from that. What do you think are some low-hanging fruit for people to make their money stretch as lo- like as much as possible? Um, well, obviously, uh, knowing about it's the first step um, because a lot of people, when you speak to about their finances, everybody has an opinion or an idea. Uh, everybody's wrong uh, to, to start with because the, if you actually run the numbers, it's it's not right. Um, so that's the first sobering experience, and you then you're then in a situation when you go okay, now I know the situation. I actually feel better. Even if I'm, well, I thought I was going ahead and I know that I'm going backwards, the knowing is better than the not knowing in that first sense. So just very first thing, knowing. Uh, and then the biggest hack really is about paying yourself first. Right. And this is my son's 17. Uh, he's just got his first job at BCF, uh, loves it. And I make him put 20% into... Um, either as uh, a, a coin or a, um, a spaceship or a, an app like that. Um, and it doesn't matter what the investment is to me. It doesn't matter if it's a, you know, it's great. What matters is, is he's interested in it. So it's about mindset. What are you doing? And thanks for that. And 20%, geez, God only asked for 10. Yeah. <laughs> Old Fraser. Look after yeah, that's right. So what have you, like, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you've, managed money so far? Um, so I currently work in commercial real estate, uh, so with Ray White Surface Paradise just up the road. Currently with money, I really like to save, so as soon as money comes in, and I mean, I've been doing this ever since I had my first job, it's always $50 away for a car. Um, when I was planning to go to schoolies, it was $50 for schoolies, now that's just kind of turned into an emergency fund. Um, 
and then $50 for petrol, uh, currently saving $150 for a house each week, and that's always each week. So I just feel like I'm constantly putting money away to try and get interest out of the bank, but at the moment there, it's currently dismal at best, so I'm trying to make it work as hard as possible to, to get more interest um, and, and obviously reap the benefits to, to get more reward from that as well. Yeah, and I think like we sometimes think we need to be doing stuff more to get more out of our money, but I think the solace is that everyone here is getting the same interest rate. So it's not as if you're behind society because no one's here's got a magical bank account that's getting 7%. So I think you're doing the right thing. You've got a system in place and you've got goals. And do you have any debt? No debt. No. So, and how old are you, Griffin? I'm 22. 22. That's weird. Your moustache is like 40. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, like if you keep out of debt and have a system in place, you will kill it. So... Um, I love that. Now, what is your relationship with Georgia? Uh, so, <laughs> Georgia is my partner. How long have we been together? Uh, <laughs> uh, just over three years. Oh, awesome. So, I might get Georgia to come in. You. So, Georgia, yes. um, you wrote this question here. I'll get you to read the second one. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what are your methods for sharing finance with a partner? So sharing finances with a partner. So how are you doing it at the moment? We aren't. You aren't. Okay. <laughs> are we living together? Yes. Okay. So we're roommates. We just, we just can't get over the hurdle. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not qualified to speak on merging money as a relationship, if that's the word, but Fraser's going to share some wisdom. Um, I, th- I have to say there's, there's a few things to start with. Firstly, no two people earn the same amount of money in a relationship, right? That's, and that's probably the first thing to get over, the fact that somebody brings or earns more than the other person and they may not work, you know, as hard, you know everybody works hard, everybody earns an income and, and, and they're going to be different. Uh, everyone's going to have different um, a money story. Uh, and beliefs of growing up and, and some one person is going to take on, naturally take on the role of, I'll look after the money because I'm, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I think the number one rule about that part of it is understanding that both people need to understand what's going on. Even if one person's doing a, a bit more of their work, it, both parties need to understand, be across what's going on. Um, I think with the one person earning more than the other, uh, I think the percentage thing, is the easiest way to do it. Um, just to say, right, we're gonna save for something and we'll put away you know, 15, 20% of our wage into that um, thing, whatever it might be. Um, the other thing to, I think, to consider um, in something like this is um, uh, once, once you've worked out the percentage, you don't have to go, it's not just one day you don't share and the next day we're all in, right? It's not, it's, it's not like that. So you've obviously got um, the conversation around living together and then you go, right, well, now we've got living expenses so we can understand to share living expenses and then we can still separate. So I think it's just having those conversations up front, uh, working out um, uh, those percentages on the necessary evil things. And then if you're saving for something together, like a car or a holiday or whatever, then you can just put a percentage of your, of your wage into those. Um, setting up accounts is how easy it is to set up accounts these days and um, just put money into those for, for certain things. Um, separate them all, but just have regular conversations and, and so everybody knows where it is and how it's going. And um, bills is a 
classic one, you know, we're working out what your bills are and um, putting the money in regularly for those bills and making sure you're always ahead. And um, I think, um, yeah, so that, that'd be the things, you know, talk about it, uh, work out the percentages and um, take baby steps. Yeah, thanks, Fraser. I, um, do you have any questions for Fraser about, you know, maybe not even your situation, but hypothetical following on that? Because I've got a few things to say. <laughs> Well, I really like the percentages because we obviously don't earn the same. So I think that's been I think that's been the main hurdle. Yeah. So that was good. Yeah. yeah. So I, the way like my kind of brain goes about it. So if you're living together, well over two years, like it's basically under the law as good as married. So what I would probably suggest, and this isn't from experience, this is just from me thinking about it logically. And someone said to me the other day, which I forgot to say on, a, on the podcast I did about the emergency fund, um, what could be a really good option for any relationship at any time is to uh, split your emergency fund 50-50 in each other's name. So one person because we all know about uh, you know domestic issues and stuff like that so it could be for both sides of the coin some safety that we both agree that we've got our own bank account with our own name on it that has half the emergency fund so that could be something to consider as well or at least keep some money in your own name but the way I see it it's like if there is intention to be living together for for a long time in that. And even uh, the episode that went up today with my friend Callum and Nathan, they got to the point where it was just like, oh, it's too annoying just to go, oh, I'll get this, you get that. So they just went, eh, just throw it all in. Uh, but I think what Fraser says, it's, it's not doing it all overnight, but it is actually, well, let's agree and take one step. Like I've said on the podcast before, when I had clients in my office and he was adamant that he didn't want to share money with her, I walked him down a garden path and then spanked him. I said, so I said, oh, so you guys live together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and you love her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you've got a kid together. Yeah. And I said, oh, so she can have all of you. He's like, yeah. And I said, but just not your money. And he's just like, oh. So I think once you really start thinking about it, um, I don't know, do what you want. (laughs) Thank you so much for um, coming tonight and I hope that from your questions submitted that somebody out there might be listening and they might be in a relationship that uh, money hasn't been shared and it might be because there's an underlying commitment thing that they've just, oh, just going to keep walking along and just not saying, oh, I'm sick of you, you're crazy. Like, So I think like anything in our life, I certainly don't want apathy in a lot of areas of my life and I think sometimes for and this is just from coaching couples, and then we all have friends that have you know, been in a relationship and the relationship isn't active, it's got apathy, it's, and it's just roommates and no one's actually happy. So my encouragement is the money issue can be the actual telling thing because money is like this spirit. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> So thank you. Give these guys a round of applause, everyone. Um, 
Jared, do you want to come up and do you want to maybe read your second question there? Hey guys, I'm Jared. Um, how do you withdraw and use equity from the first property to buy a second? Sweet. Are you a property owner no. at the moment? <laughs> okay. Just ambitious? Yeah, yeah. I love that. Love it. So basically what happens is, are there any mortgage brokers in here at the moment? No? No? Sort of? You started on Monday. Next year, we'll get you up. Uh, so basically, the way equity works in a property, and I'll, I'll use some big numbers to make it really easy. If somebody owned a house worth a million dollars and there was a loan on it for $500,000, that means half of the property, 500000 is equity, and the other half is a loan secured. The banks probably won't let you use 20% of the equity, okay? So we'll call it 200,000, but there's 300,000 of quote-unquote usable equity. So you'd have, uh, say, 300,000 of usable equity. In my case, we set up a separate mortgage, and then that 300,000 I use as a, as a deposit on the next property, even if it was called 500,000, and then I got a loan against that property for 200,000, so I've got a loan for 300,000, this is where I need my whiteboard, which is connected to my other house, and then there's another loan of 200,000, which is connected to the house that I purchased, and then because they're separate mortgages, and this is why you don't just redraw the money off your mortgage, those two mortgages, you can claim the interest on tax because it's for the investment property. Uh, a lazy mortgage broker, um, might, they call it cross-collateralize, I can't, how do you say it? Cross-collateralize? Collateralizing. Yeah, that word. Um, they might just put it all on the one bank application and just lump it in. But if you are going to get a second mortgage or buy a second property, you want to make sure that the, the bank sends in two applications so the properties stand separately. The equity that you use to buy the second place, do you pay interest on that? Or because your value of the house went up, that becomes your money now? Um, you would still pay that down because you've borrowed it. Okay. So in banking land, it's just secured against your principal house. Uh, but a good mortgage broker will be able to sit down with you and really work out that structure. So yeah, thanks Jared. Give Jared a hand, everyone. There's another question here. Um, what are some of the tax deductions when owning an investment property? Does anyone here own an investment property? Yeah. Come on down, Sarah. We'll have you all tucked in bed by 2 a.m., I swear. <laughs> so, Sarah, you own an investment property. I do. What are some of the tax deductions that you claim on your investment property? Council rates, interest rates, agent fees, any maintenance, ongoing repairs and all that sort of stuff. So any, and this was another question from Jared, anything that you pay as an expense on that property, you would claim it on your tax return? Yeah. Do you have a depreciation schedule? No. Like, is the property older? No. How old's the property? Two years. Okay, and you don't have a depreciation schedule? I think I was advised to do one, but it's on the list. Okay, so a depreciation schedule, there's actually an episode on My Millennial Property. When you buy, I'll, I'll use an example, the house has an air conditioner and the air conditioner might be worth $2,000. The next year, that air conditioner has depreciated in value and it might be worth... 
$1,800. So it's, and I'm using very basic terminology just to use it as an example. So effectively, that $200 depreciation that the asset has lost value, you can claim that on tax. So because you've had your investment property for two years, you urgently need to get a depreciation schedule and possibly amend your last two years tax returns and you may get a tax refund for the depreciation. And how do I go about getting one of those? Uh, you can go to, I'll, I'll give you a link. Okay. Yeah. So basically, so how it works um, with the depreciation schedule, uh, you get a professional called a quality surveyor. Oh, is that what they're called? Yeah, quality surveyor or something like that. Oh, Jess, you're in property law. Have you heard that? A surveyor, yep. And so what they'll do, they'll come out, they'll measure all the, the property and they'll say, okay, it's got a roof, it's got bricks, it's got carpet, it's got a dishwasher built in, it's got ceiling fans, it's got an air conditioner and they will do a depreciation schedule. So my investment property, and it has a 10-year schedule, and it will say the depreciation and it will give you actually amount. So I think mine has a $7,500 depreciation amount every single year for 10 years. So I'll claim my interest rates, my interest on tax, all my agent's fees, all maintenance, and then that's $7,000 on tax because it's a depreciation for the whole property. Okay. So that's... I need to get onto that. You need to get onto that, yeah. So thanks for I'll having... I'll follow your link. <laughs> yes, we'll put a link in the show notes to a okay. depreciation thing. Excellent. Anyone else have any random things that's popped into their head? Yeah, come up, Emma. So everyone here tonight and all of your listeners are well aware as to how you feel about spending with both Afterpay and ZipPay. Mm -hmm. But what are your personal thoughts about buying into it, especially with the current way that... Um, ZipPay has trended down most recently, but with Afterpay obviously going up and ZipPay potentially following that trend. Yeah, so you're basically saying to me, um, what are your thoughts about investing in individual companies, particularly Afterpay and ZipPay? More into the BNPL. Yeah, uh, so my view is I don't buy single stocks with an allocation of more than 10% of my net worth outside of my house. So my super, my investment accounts, my investment bond, everything that I've got outside of my house as an asset, I will not put more than 10% into a single stock because the data shows that over the long term, buying single stocks, you will not do as good as say just buying a index fund. Yes, I'm aware that you meant to have of your, like single stocks, more of your satellites. Yep. So if a BNPF ETF were to come out, oh, would yeah. you invest in that? No. Okay. So I categorically believe that buy now, pay later, um, after pay, zip pay, it is the payday lender of our generation and it's financial cancer and you need to run from it like the plague. <laughs> and I hope that the government... Hi, Lauren. And if you're listening, there's a, episode, there's a bit of the episode in the after party after this episode where I interview my sister. Um, <laughs> I hope that the government come in and regulate it. Hmm. Uh, but no, I, I would I probably own some indirectly, but I, I don't buy them because one, I don't really buy single stocks. And two, I, for me, it's, um, you know, we talk about ethical investing, right? And you know, it's 50 shades of green, 
So what's ethical to me could be not ethical to you. Mm -hmm. So um, you might not want to buy a mining company because, you know, coal's bad. I won't buy Buy Now, Pay Later because that's going to rip the crap out of society and cause more pain than it does good, in my view. Does that answer your question? Yeah, good. yeah. Thanks. I could probably rant a bit more on it because this whole thing, like they come out. Do you want to have a seat? I'm stuck now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basically, the the buy now pay later thing, it's actually so ridiculous. Like, as a society, we've believed this lie that we need everything new and we need it now. And there's people going to bed tonight around Australia, around the world, without food, without water, without shelter. But I need my freaking, what did you last buy, Lauren? Maybe a handbag or something. I need my handbag now. Like, I deserve this now. So for me, philosophically, I just think it's so dangerous. And the zip pays and the afterpay, they market it as a, a budgeting tool. And I believe it's the equivalent of going to diet shakes to lose weight. You're outsourcing your diet to a shake. You're outsourcing your money management to an app where you can actually just learn it yourself. And because buy now, pay later, it's unregulated, what we'll start to see is, and I've already, I said it, at, I was at an event a couple of uh, 18 months ago with some bankers. I'm like, you're just ripping off, like the whole reason for your product is to make money. And the thing about the afterpay and the zip pay if you believe in small business, don't ever use those things because they hold them over a barrel and take up to 30%. So don't do your friends who's got a, a shop a favor and use Afterpay because Afterpay makes 75% of their revenue from the merchants and it's not regulated because you're not actually getting a debt. You, you know, Afterpay settled the debt with the merchant, but what will happen is, you know, it's four easy payments. There'll be 10 easy payments. Soon we'll see 104 easy payments over two years. Like it's just getting ridiculous. And I've, I've not met someone who's very well off, who's actually said, oh, I just made so much money using Afterpay. Like it just doesn't happen. So if you want to stay living week on week and always having a payment, if you want to stay like that, just keep using Afterpay. And I know no one in here uses Afterpay who listens to the podcast. Um, <laughs> do you feel bad, Lauren? <laughs> I'm just kind of ranting to my sister. Just imagine, if she'd listen, just imagine if you'd listened to the podcast earlier. I know, I know. So, uh, but again, like I, this is just how I do money and this is just my view. If you've got a way that works for you, knock yourself out. You know what I mean? Anyone else want to jump on and... Say a few words. What you just, said about... Um, what, what's your name, sorry? Manuel. Manuel. You've got an interesting story. Can oh, you just tell you. us um, the where, Federer where, where, story? Where do you want to start? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I grew up in Tanzania as a kid. So I uh, lived there for 10 years. And uh, I'm originally from Switzerland and been in Australia for about seven years. And yeah, yeah that's about that. Awesome. Do you want to... Yeah, what were you going to yeah, say? Yeah, I was just uh, going to build on something that you said with regards to the uh, buy now, pay later. Um, I do actually agree with the, the philosophy that you stated and the whole thesis with, you know, it just sort of spurs, you know, people spending money that they might not have. So I do agree with that. Um, while it's still unregulated and, the, and it is in, in place, what, what's your recommendation on, say, someone that actually has the money to buy a larger purchase... Um, but doesn't want to lay the whole, you know, cash out up front to just split that into payments, 
you know, and, and save in the meantime in, in a savings account, for example? Yeah, so thanks for that, Manuel. Um, my rationale behind that, thanks, is over that four easy payments, if you got a spreadsheet and crunched the number, uh, the interest saved would be bugger all for the risk that you take that there's a hiccup in your life and you can't pay it off and you get charged $10 overdue fee. And then secondly, I made the comment, if you paid a dollar in interest over the last 30 or 60 days on your credit card, um, you can't afford a credit card. And this person said, well, I've paid interest last month because every month I pay with my credit card and then pay it off, but I got made redundant and don't have a job, so I'm left with this debt. <laughs> what you're doing is you're just removing risk from your life. You're removing another payment. You just, if you've got the money, buy it and move on. But I, I like how, you, are you an engineer? No, what do you do? I'm in finance. In finance, yeah. I thought it was like, yeah, you sell credit cards? Yeah. <laughs> Um, because like some people's mind goes that way as in, oh, I'll just use Afterpay, keep the money on my savings account and then pick up, you know, eight cents over the four weeks in interest. I'm like, yeah, if you want to go chase eight cents, knock yourself out. But I'm not playing around with the risk of something going wrong and I owe a $10 overdue fee, which is, you know, a million times more than the eight cents. Um, but my comments are worth what you paid for it. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Before we go, for those who wanted to see one of these money journals, we've had really good uh, feedback from them. So if you did want to have a look at this before you leave tonight, please feel free to do that. And also, if you can have a look at it, um, that's your, that's a gift for you. Yeah. And I thought your name, sorry. Blessing. Um, so if you want to have a look at one, you can have a look at Blessings before she leaves. And if you, if we, I think we've got a few here tonight. See Jess, she can sort it out. All right, we might leave it there. Thank you so much, Gold Coast. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And if you've got any questions that you want answered on the podcast, you can send them into questions at mymillennial.money. Would love your audio questions if you want to send those in. And we just really appreciate you letting us in your ears each week. John is away traveling around New South Wales. That's why he hasn't been on the show lately. I'm going to dial him in and get him on in the next couple of weeks and have a chat. But thank you, Gold Coast, for coming out. And you guys have been great. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. 
This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. You've heard me talk about my family uh, that live on the Gold Coast. I've come in and said hi. But I want to introduce uh, the listeners to my sister, Lauren. So, Lauren, come up. Give her a round of applause, everyone. Um, So, Lauren, say hello. Hi. Um, Lauren, you have never listened to an episode of My Millennium Money, have you? (laughs) Never. Uh, So, thanks for being on the podcast and supporting your brother. Thank you. What was your view of money growing up? I was having a think about this after our five-minute chat earlier. Um, And I read something the other day about the word enough. And I think that's that's where we were at. We weren't rich, we weren't poor, but we had everything we needed and we had enough. Mm. Would you agree? Yeah. um, It's funny, like, Remember we had the above ground pool yes. and dad dug it by hand. <laughs> yeah, it was like with a spade. Like and dug. it was a second hand above ground pool. Yeah, it was a second hand above ground pool. Um, but I know they weren't big on like credit cards. Never. Car loans. No. We had a Ford Cortina growing Ooh, up. So good. Uh, and a Falcon. And a Falcon. Yeah. yeah. That's and a- I remember driving to Queensland yeah, and we broke the- down. There was yeah. no air conditioning. <laughs> oh, but there was no car loan. No, no Never car loan. Never a car loan. Um, and would you say you're a spender or saver? Um, I'm a little bit of a spender, but I don't have any credit cards. I have never had a car loan. I have a mortgage. I have a confession. Yeah. <laughs> Recently, I have been a little bit hooked on zip pay and after pay. And Why? I know that's consumer <laughs> debt, and I've not told you this before. Far out. How do you feel about that? Oh, I think there's just no need. It's ridiculous. Just is it to hide it from Jeff? Can you help? It is, actually. <laughs> oh. And do you know what else I've done recently? What? I used to get all my I'm, – I'm not a massive spender, so I don't have credit. It's zip pay and after pay. That's my limit. Yeah. I was getting all of my online deliveries sent home at one point, and then when mum was up on holiday, she used to hide them in the drawer so that Jeff wouldn't see them. So then I switched to getting them delivered to work, and Sarah works with me, and she was signing in all my deliveries – and then I'm like, oh, okay, this is getting really embarrassing, especially during COVID and then over the Christmas period because I didn't want to go to the shops because I don't like going to the shops, but I needed to buy presents. So with my Afterpay and ZipPay purchases, I've now organised one of those lockers at Australia Post. So I sneak there. You've got when a problem. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. You've got two full-time incomes. Just buy the thing. Oh, well, I don't know. Uh, what's I, the difference? I don't know. Anyway, don't I'm not know. having this it's, conversation it's now. Bit, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> Might edit that out. Uh, but the, but one, one money hack that I thought yeah. was cool, you renovated your house over here at Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. You saved, how did you save some money on like the kitchen? 
I went to China pre-COVID. She went to Way China. before COVID. Yeah. Well, it was 2017, the end of 2017. Yeah. So, yeah. you basically, how much do you think you saved? I will say, I think I spent 30,000 30, in China on the goods and it was probably equivalent to about 60 or 70, maybe 80,000 here. And that was for all the windows and kitchen? No, no? not windows. It was for the entire kitchen. Um, the, you the spent entire 60 grand on a kitchen? No, no, no. Oh. No, I spent $9,000 oh. on the complete kitchen, which is actually, if you've had a quote on a kitchen, it's, mm. yeah. Yeah. Um, tiles, they were a big saving. I think I spent, and it's all shipped in mm. to Australia anyway. At, um, yeah. Everywhere we buy our tiles from here. I think I spent, um, I forget what it was. I think it was $45, um, dollars uh, whatever the tile meter is called. Square meter, they call yep. it. Yeah. No, isn't there another word for tiles? No, they do lineal yeah, that meter. Word. That's um, carpet usually. I don't know. Yeah. It was t- uh, $44 or something here for the exact same tile. It was $12 a meter there. So it was. Yeah, right. It was, yeah, a big. It was a big project, yeah, but a big save as well. Interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks for That's all right. <laughs> the interview. I guess. <laughs> Anyone got any questions for Lauren? She's clearly got no. a spending problem and a <laughs> a problem hiding things. Ooh, thanks. Grace, do you want to say anything quickly? And we'll put this in the after party. <laughs> Does Dad know about it now? No. Okay. <laughs> It's right. our little secret. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> leverage, yeah. Um, so thanks. All right, Sarah, welcome to the live event. Thank you. Can you tell us what you've learned growing up about money? My dad was a spendthrift. Can I get you to hold oh, that yep. right there? And my mum was quite frugal. Um, my first car was like a $17,000 car loan. I was like... Sign here, no big deal. Um, I kind of didn't think of the consequences of having to, like, repay the loan, the mechanics and all that sort of stuff. Um, but the motor blew up. And, well, I was probably 18 by then. And I still had, like, a $14,000 loan with a car that was worth about $2,000. What type of car was it? At Daewoo Nibira. <laughs> Say no more. I loved it, but um, I was like, oh my God, I've got all this money owing and a car that's now worth $2,000. Like, wow. how am I going to do this? Um, on the off chance, I was actually very lucky. I was selling the car and I had a, um, might not be good for your podcast, but I had a young kid that actually wrote it off. It was parked out in the street and it got written off, so... Well, it was broken. Well, the engine, like, it was still drivable. Yeah. But it was just parked out my in-law's house and he come around the corner and rainy days and just wrote it off. Wow. Cashed in. Cash. Well, well, I, had, I, I could afford the insurance. <laughs> yeah. They didn't know that it wasn't mechanically yeah. sound. Um, and I couldn't sell it because I would feel guilty. Yeah. Like, I could not sell a car that was... Anyway, so... How did that change your experience with money after being piled on with debt at a young age? I'm 35 now. 
maybe 37, um, I own everything outright. I will never, unless I can pay for it outright, I do not have finance. I don't have a credit card. Well, I've got a credit card for the sake of checking into a hotel or whatever it is that you've got to do. But I own my house. I own my car outright. I don't have any finance whatsoever. Yeah. I will never go down that road again. Yeah. So unless I can pay for it cash, I will not have one of those loans that you can pay off five years, ten years or whatever. Mm. So. Cool. All right. That's. Yeah. Like, yeah, for a young age to have such a big debt on just a car. Yeah. When in now, Dad's, I think a $5,000 car is, if you can get your day to B, it's fine. Like Lauren said, it's enough. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Sarah, and thanks Thank for you. listening. All right, give Sarah and Lauren a hand. Thank you. All right. Well, now, okay, I'm interviewing Grace. Hello. Hello, Grace. Hi. Thanks for hosting me on the Gold Coast. Thank you for coming. No worries. And James, you're the producer of this episode. Anything that I need to know before we start? Um, My name is James and I'm the... Producer, producer, and um, I like to welcome Glenn James and Grace Bellwood to the show. Well, thank you, producer. And we've got our director. Hi, I'm just gonna um do what I want everyone to say. What um to what? mm, Okay, can we cut that? Yeah, we can. Yeah. Okay. And this is the director. This is the director. I will be saying what for Glenn Jane to say to Grace, like, um, how much money do you want and all that Okay. Stuff. So, Grace. Yes. Thanks for the producer and director for being here. Yes. If you got $1,000 tomorrow, what would you buy? Um, I would probably buy a new phone. Like, I would either buy a new phone or I would buy something for my acro Tumbling, something like that, yeah. And tell us about your cheerleading. My cheerleading, it's going really good. Yeah. I found out that we, at the end of the year, we're going to Melbourne for nationals. Wow. And it will be really fun. Awesome. Yeah. I just want to check with the producer and director. Yeah. Is this going okay for you guys? Is this going all right? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Um, right. Producer, any questions I need to ask Grace? Probably one like um um what would you like to do like with your thing that you buy like would you like give your a thousand dollars if you go to like um to charity or like so could we make this like a would you rather question thing yeah so, like, a would so, you like, rather yes yeah, so, like would you rather give a thousand dollars to the charity or just spend it. On Gucci or something. On Gucci? Gucci. All right. All right. So, okay, I'm going to ask the question. That's I, And this is why I've got my uh, producer because he's switched on. and he's co-producer. Yeah, the co-producer and he's got some really good questions. Yeah. So, we're going to go from the top. Awesome. If I gave you $1,000, would you rather spend all right. it all on Gucci or Ooh. all on charity or, or what or. if you did... I'll do, say, $300 on charity or $300 on Gucci 
and then maybe $400 to save for another time? Uh, I probably, I don't use, I don't like Gucci. It doesn't interest me, honestly. So I'd probably, um, I would do like half in charity, half to save, or I would just put it all in charity. Okay, cool. I'm just getting interrupted by the uh, co-producer. Well, that was a bit of a random answer, Gucci. Well, that was the only thing that popped to my head. I mean, there could not have been better things like shoes or new clothes. Oh, or that's all right. That's okay. Like, I don't know, stick yeah. that you need, like a torch or... Yeah. And um, do you have any charities that you like? Um, well, not really anything specific, yeah. like really. I think it's just like general. Okay, I think your director wants to say I something. Like, I like dog shelters. Do you really? Dog shelters. Also, I like the like the cancer yeah. ones, the ones that support cancer. Hang on, the co-producers butting in. Oh, I have one as well, like, like you know, like if people don't have hair and then like you donate your Leukemia? Hair. Yeah, like you, leukemia and stuff. Yeah, well, that's yeah. very good. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why. I think um, we can hear the... Um, <laughs> The director's just the director's just gone into the bathroom halfway through a show. Um, that's a bit disrespect. Well, we're, we're gonna. I think we'll right, cut we're that gonna out. we're gonna wrap this interview up. Yep. Um. So can you ask? Yeah. Can I blink it? Can I blink it? Interviewed next. Well, by we've me, already by interviewed me. you. Wait, can I interview Jeffrey? Because I haven't interviewed him, and then you two. Oh can yeah. The, um, yeah. Okay, we'll do that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's wrap this up and right. um, see you guys you. soon. Thank you for in. Yeah, um, the boys. What's it called? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for interviewing me. And say, my name's Grace, and you're listening to my millennial money. My name is Grace, and you are listening to my millennial money. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 